listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we're dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you're listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. speaking to me last night as I was uh, going to bed, and, and he reminded me about how oil is produced. And oil comes from olives, so I'm talking about olive oil, and it comes, but it comes when there's crushing, when they're crushed, when they're pressed on. And Liz and I were up here praying last night, and the Lord only spoke about two things to us, because I told her, I said, the Lord won't let me go on with what I was going to go on with. He's got something else he has for the people, because see, my job isn't to come up and just teach. I can teach till we're all blue in the face. But my job is to go into the presence of the king and get a message from him and deliver it to the people. And I, t- I take that more serious than what I could possibly, sometimes probably too serious. But I take that very serious because God always has something for his people. It's about the Lord giving to his people what his people need and you are his people. Amen. And we only heard two things really strong last night. One was about that we have oil coming from our hands, right? Our, and then how you fr- our fingertips. Our fingertips. We have oil coming from our fingertips. And I said, what in the world are we supposed to do with that? She said, I don't know, but that's what I heard the Lord say. And so I had the Lord speak to me. And he said, the people need encouraged. So I put this together this morning and he was reminding me last night about where oil comes from and it comes from the crushing. And there's no way I could go into the details of it, nor would it be necessary for me to. But Liz and I experienced a particular kind of crushing recently. And it wasn't from the Lord. No, that the crushing doesn't come from God. Crushing comes from life. (laughs) Crushing comes just from being and going through life things. Anybody been through any life stuff? And what will happen is that when you go through it, you'll be pressed on. And that's where oil is produced if you're positioned right, that's where oil, the anointing oil of the Lord will be produced. And so I said, Lord, what are you telling me? And he said, there's oil there coming from us for a particular thing. And that is to be able to bring encouragement to you, but also for you to be able to be strengthened to where you can encourage yourself. Because there's something significant about people that, that have got a, a mindset and have got the desire to stand up and say, I'm not going to be discouraged, but I'm going to be encouraged. And I am going to move forward. I am going to press on. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to shrink back because that's what faith people do. That's what God's people do. And that's the ones that we are. That's the kind of substance we're made of. We just have to activate it. And so I want to do a couple of things really quickly. I, one is, and uh, I think you can actually, you know what, just keep playing. You're doing a really wonderful job. I don't like to fly by the seat of my pants too much, but this morning the Lord said, just fly by the spirit, (laughs) which could look like you're flying by the seat of your pants, but I'm just tuning into what the Lord is wanting to do. And so I just want to encourage you for a couple of minutes, but then I want to do something. I want to do something really special. Feel special to us is the crushing that we, we'd gone through just very, very recent. It was fresh and we're not wounded or hurt, but it was like we had, we had to, we were forced to pick ourselves up. It's wonderful when you can have people around you that will help to pick you up and will encourage you, but you don't always have that. In fact, I can guarantee you there's a lot of times in your life when you will not have that. And it's not because people don't care. It's just that not everybody can really know what you're going through like what 
you know and how you know, but God knows, and he's given us the ability through his Holy Spirit that we, can all, we always have the ability through him to go from where we're at to where we need to be. Amen. And so with the crushing that we've had, we're going to take that oil and we're going to place it on you. It's not a physical oil. Some people are like, what kind of oil are you talking about? I'm talking about the anointing oil of the Holy Ghost that comes from a specific thing that he did, a specific work that he did in us. We will never quit. We will never back down. We will never give up. We will always press forward. And I'm telling you, after today, you're going to have a, a fire lit inside of you where you're going to do the same thing. And when temptation would come to you to want to quit or give up, you're going to say, nope, that's not what I'm made of. That's not what I've been anointed with. I've been anointed with the, the anointing of God for faith to continue on. Just like the people of old before Jesus, all of the heroes of faith, the hall of faith, they were ones that kept pressing forward and kept moving on. I'm made of that and even greater because I'm on this side of the cross. And I've got a better covenant. I've got a better relationship with God through Jesus because it's based on the relationship that I have, that Jesus has with the Father and not on my performance. We've got it better, folks. We've got it better. Amen. And we've, we're just, we've got an amazing substance and DNA that we're made of. And I'm telling you, there's going, to be, there's going to be a shift. You know, impartation can come primarily two ways. One is to teach and one is to lay hands on. And I'm going to share a couple things if you want to call it teaching. And then we're going to lay hands on you. Because I can, I can sense something that's been going on in the spirit. I know because I know what I've been crushed with, if you will, pressed on. And it's this thing to just like want to quit, to want to give up. And I know this is a nagging thing for so many people, but if you're always looking backward because of discouragement or frustration, then you can't look forward at the same time to see what God has in the future. It's a ploy of the enemy to try to get you to look backwards because if you're looking backwards, you can't look forwards. The Lord says it's time to turn around and face and look forward with what I have for you. Are there gonna be obstacles? Yes. Are you gonna have things come against you? Yes. Are you gonna have issues? Yes. But God has called us to higher and to greater levels and we are, we are of the substance to where we can overcome everything that would come against us. We can encourage ourselves in the Lord. We can wake up in the morning and just like we could be in a service and we can sing, you know, someone will say, let's say hallelujah. Let's shout, let's shout hallelujah. Let's shout a chant of victory. And it's easy to do it here, but it's hard to do it on Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Thursday morning when you have to get up and face some of the same situations maybe that you've been facing for a while. And maybe you still don't know what to do about certain situations, but God knows. And the one thing he doesn't want you to do is quit. Because the ones that quit never overcome, but the ones who continue with him, they always overcome because Jesus doesn't ever, ever fail. And if we're walking with him, it's impossible for us to fail. It is impossible for us to fail being with him. Am I making sense to anybody? Is this striking a chord? I have to be honest with you, I'm probably about uh, a little bit late in my understanding of what the Lord wanted to do here. But when I stood up here, he started telling me things concerning the crushing and you being encouraged concerning this. It, it, there's a, there, for me, there's a, there's a fine line. It's always good for me to be transparent without telling you my problems. I know this might sound like a surprise to you, but I actually do have problems. I'm not perfect, and I have to learn how to walk through those things by faith. But I always want what happens to me and what God does in my life to be a blessing and a benefit to you. So transparency is really good from leaders. Amen. So I'm just being transparent with you a little bit. We just walked through something that was really, really uh, 
a couple of things that were really challenging and still walking through a couple little things. And I mean, even just within the last couple of weeks, and it wasn't anything that we could go and say, I need, even I need prayer, I need help with this. We just had to, we knew we had to face it with the Lord. We knew we had to face it dead on. And, and I thank God that I've had her to encourage me, but the Lord showed me, uh, you can't lean on her so much. You just have to lean on me. Because that can get easy sometimes when we've got people that we can lean on, that we can become dependent on them when the Lord's all along is saying, I want you to learn to be dependent upon me. Because people will fail you. People will miss it. People will blow it. We should be so strong in the Lord and so strong in our ability in him to encourage and strengthen ourselves that if the closest person left us or did something to us, it it wouldn't shake our faith, not one bit. We should be that strong in the Lord. Not that we should believe that, but the truth is, is that people waver, but God never wavers. And if we can learn to be steadfast through whatever it is that we're going through and encourage ourselves, that means that we don't have to become a victim of our circumstance, but we can always live above because we've learned how to practically take the word of God and declare faith, declare victory, and stand up and stand strong over any and every circumstance or situation that would come to us. Amen. You tracking with me so far? I want to encourage you for just a couple minutes of some things that the Lord, the Lord showed me. Is this, am I fitting right in line with what we were, the Lord was showing us? Okay. All right. Hallelujah. I know I am, but I just wanted to include you in this. So I, you know, I've, I have, I have a thousand things that I could teach and, and just sometimes the Lord will say, no, that's not what I want to do. And I'll go, okay, well, what do you want to do? And so I'm just following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Turn to first Samuel chapter 30, first Samuel chapter 30. And this is very familiar to probably most of you in here. But I felt like this was a tool that needed to be put in, in our tool belt to where we're able to do this particular thing to where we can always rise above and, and not be underneath of whatever it is that's trying to attack us. So 1 Samuel chapter 30, and I'm not going to read all the verses preceding up to it, but basically David and his men were uh, camped at Ziklag, and the Amalekites came in and they burned it with fire and attacked it and took their, their women and their children. They took them captive. And so picking up in verse 4 of 1 Samuel chapter 30, it says, Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no power, no more power to weep because everything had been taken from them. And so in verse 5 it says, And David's two wives, Mrs. A, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. And David was greatly distressed. And he wasn't just distressed because of the things that were happening and the things that happened, but it was also because the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved. So you have a situation here where it wasn't just that David didn't have anyone to encourage him. David had people that should have encouraged him, but actually came against him. You ever have heard people like that in your life? like come on man don't stone me I'm trying I need help here but look at how David responded it says because the soul of all the people was grieved every man for his sons and daughters but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God some translations say that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God and this is something, and it was like the, the, the Lord said, I want you to take this tool and I want you to dust it off and I want you to use it better and use it more often. And I want you to show the people how to be able to do this. 
And so the way that you do this, and the Lord spoke to me a few weeks ago, and I, I gave a prophetic word here, that the end of this year was, the, was this year or the season of the mouth. And I want to reiterate what the Lord showed me. And I've come to find out, even in my own personal life, how important this is. And I'm telling you, it's a word from the Lord. If you are not opening up your mouth consistently every day and speaking, you need to do it. And I think part of the reason is, is when we look at everything that's going on around us, this is the most rotten time period I could ever remember living in for all of my life. And I've talked to people that are younger than me and that are much older than me that have said the same thing. This is the craziest year I've, I could ever remember in, in my life. And I think some of us have, we've got uh, corona fatigue, not that corona is personally affecting everybody. I just mean we're tired of hearing about it. We're tired of having to deal with it. It's, it's literally getting frustrating to go about our life and having to deal with some of the nonsense that's taking place. I'm not saying it's not real, but I'm saying it's being politicized, and I think everybody in this room would agree with that. We're tired of seeing all of the, um, the so-called activists, which I just call them terrorists because that's exactly what they are, terrorizing our, our cities. We're tired of seeing all of this stuff. We want, to go, we want to go back to having some kind of normalcy Although I don't think we're ever going to go back to normal. I think things are always going to be different from here on out. There's a, there's a, different, there's a different tone that's taken, taken place in our, in our country. And so when you look at all the stuff that's happening, it's not just that we're seeing it, we're being bombarded with it. I can remember a time on Facebook, God bless Facebook, where you could see all kinds of posts. Every post that you read from people, probably including myself somewhat too, it's political. It's it's talking about all the problems that are going on. And here we have a Supreme Court justice that, are, that has just uh, died and actually she needed to go. Look, when people are evil, they need to go. I'm not saying that God killed her. If God was going to kill her, he would have killed her a long time ago. She, didn't have, she doesn't stand for anything biblical or Christian at all. None. So I'm glad that she's no longer on the Supreme Court anymore. But now you have, I've been listening to Christians argue about the Supreme Court things that are going on. I think, my God, I'm so tired of all of this stuff. And if we're not careful, we can, be, we can allow ourselves to be so inundated with all of the things going on around us. It becomes our conversation. It becomes what we talk about and we're faced with it. And every time we've gone out to eat, that my family has had to hear me grumble a little bit. Like, I can't believe they made me wear a face mask between the door. And, and usually I just say, no, thank you. I'm not interested. And if they really force me, then I'll put it on. But anyways, and then they hear me grumble about it. And I've got probably have a, maybe a right to grumble like anybody else does, but it's not doing anybody any good. And so what I found out is that we're seeing all of these things and we naturally tend to open up our, mouth about the, the, our mouths about the things that we're seeing and we're hearing, but we have to make a distinct decision that we're going to start to declare the word of the Lord and not declare anything else. Because I believe that between now and the election in our country, I'm not talking about us personally, but in our country, it's only going to become worse. We're only going to have more stuff that we're going to see. What are we going to do? Are we going to be moved over into a place of fear and torment and being bothered and being distracted with what's going on? Or are we going to capture the heart of God for what he's doing in this hour? Because I don't know if you've seen this, but at the same time that we're seeing devastation happen in our country, we have this uh, long-haired guitar player roaming around cities having revival. People are getting saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, healed. 
water baptized, being delivered. God's doing incredible things. And, I'm, and I said this at the beginning of all of the, the coronavirus stuff when things were being shut down. I said this is a smokescreen and we're going to see on the other side of this that God's going to do something incredible. And we are right on the verge of seeing what the Lord is doing in this hour. But if we're not careful, we could be so moved by all the negative things that we miss the positive. Because what's going to happen, we're going to continue to see the wrong stuff, but if we'll open up our eyes, we're going to continue to see the right stuff. When we come in here, and when we wake up in the morning, and we go about our business and about our day, our focus shouldn't be on the negative. It should be on the positive. It should be on looking at what God's doing. It should be looking on the fact that just a couple of months ago, or maybe a month ago, President Trump said that when he is reelected, he is going to work to defund Planned Parenthood. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. And I know, and for anybody that's watching or whatever, they're like, well, what about, what about women's rights and about women's health care? I'm for women having health care. I'm for women having rights. But I'm never for the slaughter of the innocent. Never for the slaughter of the innocent. Planned Parenthood, it's like 95% of what they do is abortions. And our president, the one right now, said, if I get reelected, I'm going to work to defund Planned Parenthood. And do you know that every promise that he has made, and this is, I'm not, I'm not campaigning for Trump here. I'm campaigning for righteousness. And we need to see what we've got in front of us. Every promise that he has made, he has at least worked to, kept, to keep, and most of them he's kept and he's made it come to pass. We have, a, we have a jewel in the office right now. And God is forming him. He went in with hot blood. Still a little hot-blooded, but he went in that way. And God is knocking off the rough edges and now we have a man that's submitted to God that's pressing into him and has surrounded himself with people that know and love God have been serving God for a long time to help lead our country out of this destruction but we need to see that there is so much happening that's for the positive that's for the good that if we can begin to see those things and look at those things we can bring our heart to a place of being encouraged and being strengthened we have to stay strong we have to be encouraged we can't be the ones that are in fear you know what I found out is that Christians, I know so many Christians that are so afraid right now because of coronavirus. If you are afraid because of anything, but if you are afraid, if you are in fear because of coronavirus, you're wrong. I'm not saying it's not real. I've had people say, oh, Pastor Ken, it's real. I'm not doubting that it's real. I know that it's real. I know people that have, have gotten it. I know people that have gotten really sick from, from catching it. But there's all kinds of diseases in the world that we don't get caught up in fear about. Every time you step out your door, you have the potential, in the natural, you have the potential to be hit with some kind of disease. You have the potential to be hit with some type of, of financial woe. You have the potential to have something come against you. But we don't necessarily get in fear about those things. Why are we in fear now? Because it's a plan of the enemy. Because once you allow yourself to be fearful in one area, it's easy for you to be tempted in all kinds of areas. And I meet Christians that they're afraid to hug. You know, the Bible says to greet each other with a holy kiss. Technically, we're not being biblically accurate because we don't kiss each other. And I'm fine with that. In this case, I'm fine with not being biblically accurate. Ron really likes to kiss people, though. I'm just kidding. We were somewhere, in a, and this grown man kissed everybody in his church, and we got kissed, and so it was extremely awkward but anyways but you know it's part of our culture to shake hands and to hug one another to love on one another and I see so many Christians I know pastors that they literally won't even shake hands 
they won't hug because they're afraid. Why are they afraid? It's because they've listened to all the fear-mongering and it's caused them to shrink back. If anything, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, it says, as you see the day approaching. Does anybody see the day approaching? We're getting closer and closer and closer. I don't know if we're five years or 10 years or one month or 20 years, but we're certainly getting closer to the day. It says, as you see the day approaching, we should be fellowshipping and we should be with each other all that much more, not pulling away. But yet I see Christians that are so inundated with fear. Fear has gripped them. And that's not the stuff that we're made of. Jesus was not a fearful person. You say, well, what if I catch coronavirus and die? Then you'll go to heaven. What in the world you got to be afraid of? And I know that there's a fine line between fear and wisdom because sometimes people would say, well, it feels like wisdom to do this, that, or the other. Fine, use wisdom, but stay out of fear. Learn how to discern the difference between being in fear and wisdom. And I'm just telling you what I've seen, and I, and I read it just, a, and I didn't read the whole article, but I read something from Lance Wallnow, and he said the church has been affected or has been, uh, fear has grabbed a hold of the church, something to that effect. And when I read it, I said, amen, brother. That's exactly what I'm seeing. And I'm probably preaching to the choir in here. But what I am saying is that we need to rise above and we need to know how to stay above and not stay beneath. Let me give you some things that are really, really encouraging. Do you have anything that you want to add to this? Not yet. Okay. So let me tell you some things that, that are just really, really encouraging to you. See, being encouraged and staying encouraged, it's all about perspective. It's all about keeping the right perspective in the midst of what we're going through. It's really important that we keep a right perspective. So if you're like, I don't really know what to focus on, I'm going to give you a few things here that you can focus on. That if you see these things and you look at these things and you speak these things out of your mouth, see, that's where the key is. You have to speak it out of your mouth. This is why the enemy has worked so hard to keep people's mouths shut. That's the reason why prophetically that everybody is wearing masks. And I know sometimes people feel like they need to wear masks for their own health or whatever. That's their business. But I'm saying it's a prophetic picture of the enemy trying to shut us up. When God says, open your mouth and declare my word in this hour. Open, open your mouth and talk about what I am doing in this hour. Amen. It's not just enough to see it and know it and believe it. You have to speak it for it to become a part of you. Let me get, encourage you with some things. In fact, Jesus said a couple of things that were really encouraging. And he, and he started it with be of good cheer. Here's one. He says, for I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. You know that people need hope right now like they've never needed it before. People are scared. Look, look just talk to people out in the world and you'll find that they are totally petrified, many of them, about what is happening right now. And if you step back and think, what would I be like if I didn't have Jesus? you would probably be the exact same way like they are. But Jesus said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Even if there was some plague that wiped out, you know, 90% of the world's population, what in the world do we have to be worried about? Nothing. Even if your finances, even if you lost all of your money, you lost all of your savings, you lost all of your investments, you were living in a, in a cardboard box on Main Street, what do you have to be worried about? Jesus is your king. Jesus sits as Lord in your life. We don't have anything to be afraid of. As a matter of fact, we've got a lot to be thankful for because he's overcome the world. That means that even when you're going in through, through things and you've got situations that are happening, that means on the other side of those, ultimately, we win. 
If we could just keep that perspective that ultimately when we get to the other side, we win, we would never worry about anything else for the rest of our life. We would never be discouraged. We would never be distraught. We would never be distracted. We would be so thankful that ultimately Jesus has overcome the world and we win. We come out on top. Because if we're with him, it's impossible for us to ever be underneath except for here. Because what the enemy is working to do is to get us discouraged here in between our ears in the way that we think. Because that's the only place he can win at all. If he's got us there, he'll stop us from moving forward. But if we can overcome this area of our thinking and not be discouraged, not, not be tempted to want to go back, you know, we have to get to this point to where we cross the point of no return. You know what that means? That means that if you decided, and I wouldn't recommend it, that you're going to go down to the Mississippi River and you were going to swim across... Once you got to the halfway point, or before the halfway point, you could turn around and go back. It would be easier at that point. But once you cross the halfway point, it's the point of no return. You have to go all the way. We have to get to a point in in our thinking, and we have to set our mind, our will, and our emotions that we are past the point of no return, and we're not going back. We're only going to go forward. Amen? Amen. Here's another thing that Jesus said. He said, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. I know that's like the most basic thing that we know as believers that like God forgave us of our, of our sin, our sin nature and our individual actions, our sins. But literally he doesn't hold them against you anymore. He doesn't hold them against us anymore. That's an, that is an incredible thing. Look here in, in Romans. And if we've got this in the Passion Translation, if we could pull that, this up here, Romans chapter four. Let me show you this, Romans four. This is so encouraging. I love this. Romans chapter four. And in verse 7, and this is in context of talking about, actually, let's go back to verse 6. And again, this is in the Passion Translation, Romans chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, even King David himself speaks to us regarding the complete wholeness that comes inside a person when God's powerful declaration of righteousness is heard over their life, over our life. Apart from our works, God's work is enough. Here's what David says. What happy fulfillment is ahead for those whose rebellion has been forgiven and whose sins are covered by blood. See, when I look at the word rebellion, it's fur- it goes further to me than I just made a mistake. There's not a person in here at some point in their life that hasn't had some kind of rebellion happen with them personally. Everybody has experienced that. And being like, I know that's the right thing to do, but I'm going to go ahead and do this anyway. Anybody ever been there before? I think everybody's probably been. I know everybody's been there. So it's not only our mistakes that get covered, but even our rebellion has been forgiven. And whose sins are covered by blood. What happy progress. I like progress. I don't know about you all. What happy progress comes to them when they hear the Lord speak over them. And here's what he says. I will never hold your sins against you. It's one, of the, it's one of the most important things to me to personally remind myself that God does not hold my sins against me. Because the accuser, Satan, his whole job is to try and work here in our thinking to accuse us of either what we've done wrong or who we're not. And if you realize that Jesus has already forgiven you for what you've done wrong, 
in who you truly are as a son or a daughter of the King Most High. How could he ever come and accuse you of being something that you're not or accuse you of things that Jesus has already justified you of? Man, we got full power and victory over all the devil's nonsense. Our sins are thrown as far as the east is from the west into the sea of forgetfulness. That's something to hang your hat on. Let me tell you something else that the Bible says in Romans chapter 8. And let's look here in verse, I think we're going to go to verse 30. Romans chapter 8, and I'm still, I'm in the Passion Translation. I just love how it says this. Romans 8 and 30. Here's something else is that he has determined to stand with us. I love it when people stand with me. I love to stand with people. Do you know that God has, he's determined. He has determined to stand with us. Romans 8 and 30. Again, this is in the Passion Translation. It says, having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. I love how it says perfect righteousness. Because he could have just said his righteousness, and we already know that it's perfect, but he's really wanting to make doubly sure that we understand that it's his righteousness and it's perfect and that he's given it to us. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. You talk about encouraging yourself. You have been co-glorified with Jesus. That means it's not Jesus here. Everybody look here. It's not Jesus here and you here. I understand and we all understand that we are not Jesus and we are not God. But as far as all the benefits that Jesus has, we have the exact same benefits that Jesus has. (laughs) We've been co-glorified with him. You can't get any better than that. Actually, you can. Read the next verse. It's really awesome. It says, so what does all this mean? If God is determined to stand with us, tell me. Who then could ever stand against us? For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen and loved to be his? God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them, not guilty. Man, God's on our side. That's what you want if you're going into a courtroom. You want to be able to go in, and whoever's got something against you, you want the judge to end up being on your side. And you know what? That's exactly what Jesus did with his blood in in the courts of heaven. And when we were there, and Jesus was there, Jesus brought a case that determined the verdict for us and it was not guilty and God the judge is the one who declared that. If that doesn't encourage you, I don't know what will. Oh, but let me show you something else. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Let's look at this. A couple more things. Let me show you. I'm just giving you some tools in your belt so you can encourage yourself in the Lord. This is good stuff. Hebrews 13 and 5. It says, don't be obsessed with money. And again, this is the Passion Translation, Hebrews 13, 5. Don't be obsessed with money, but live content with what you have. For you always have God's presence. For you always have God's presence. 
For hasn't he promised you, I will never leave you alone, never. And I will not loosen my grip on your life. The next time you think you have blown it so bad that God may not even want to talk to you, first of all, if you are thinking that, stop thinking that way. But if you ever got to a point or ever get to a point like that, you can go back and look, and it says that he'll never loosen his grip on your life. He'll never loosen his grip on your life. Thank you, Jesus. You know, the Bible says, and I want to look here one last, one last passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And to me, the Passion Translation, just when I read it, it's, it's just so encouraging. And that's why I wanted to read it to you. 1 Corinthians 13, and of course, this is the love chapter. And we were looking at this this past week, and the Lord just really made this come alive in me, man. Like I, ne- like I had never seen it before. And anytime you see the word love in the Bible, you can substitute it for God. Whenever it's describing love, you can substitute it for God because the Bible says that God is love. And so if love is this way, then God is this way. Starting with verse seven of 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Now let me read it this way. God is a safe place of of shelter, for he never stops believing the best for you. We stop believing the best for us sometimes. Sometimes we stop believing the best for others, but God never does. God never takes failure as defeat for he never gives up. I wish that I could, if I could go back in time, which I can't, so it's a silly thing to wish, but if I could, I would go back and look at all of my so-called failures to me, but really it was just a moment of defeat or a moment of things not working out like I wanted them to. I would go back and I would remind myself that God doesn't see me as a failure even if I see myself as a failure right now. And if we could remind ourselves of that, then why would we ever look at ourselves as a failure? Because God doesn't see us that way. Man, hallelujah. I don't know about you guys, but this stuff gets next to me. Let me read one more verse. It says, love never stops loving. God never stops loving. Man. And I'm just gonna stop with that. God never stops loving, never stops loving us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And I just, I just saw, and I, I just am, am attacking it the best way that I, that I know how. And I know what happens spiritually. This is true, that the enemy is, as a rule, not always, but as a rule, he'll go for the top, because if he can take the top out or the head, then it will disrupt everything else underneath of it. This is why, this is why parents in a home will experience a lot of times more turmoil than the kids. However, 
if the ones at the top don't learn how to deal with it, it will affect everybody else in the home. It will affect everybody else in the business. It will affect everybody else in the church or wherever it is. And so I felt this, this pounding, this crushing of, of defeat, of discouragement. And we overcame by the blood of the lamb. And as the Passion Translation puts it, and I believe it's more accurate, accurate and by the word of his testimony. We testify about what Jesus has done. We testify about his goodness, about his love for us, about how wonderful he is, about how faithful he is, about how he always sticks to his promises. We testify about that, and that's what causes us to overcome every single time. We get crushed, crushed we get pressed on. That's how we always overcome in those situations. And I'm telling you, there's anointing coming from our hands and our mouths right now. And if you take what I'm telling you, you will never be crushed in any area of your life ever again for the rest of your life. I mean, you might get pressed on and crushed in that sense, but if your perspective is right, you're going to have the right stuff flow out of you. And so instead of it being bitterness that flows out, it'll be anointing that flows out. It'll be the oil and it'll not only help you, but it will help the other people that are around you. Hallelujah. And, and that's exactly what happened with David. David had an opportunity here to like shrink back. And you have to remember, they just went to war. And so they were not only seeing in the natural, like something that had been taken away from them, but they were tired too. And how many times yeah. are like, when we get faced with things that we're looking in the natural, like we're tired too because of just whatever. And so attack comes. And even like people who are around us, they're, they're like, what are you going to do? And how come this is happening? La, 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 la. And it's like loud in David's ear. And he had opportunity to shrink back and say, woe is me. But he said, no, right. I'm going to remember that my God, he is the one who actually brought these people who are coming against me to me. You know, the mighty men that were around David, they were drawn to David in this place of wilderness. And he said, I'm going to take this opportunity and I'm going to lead my people. I'm not going to let whatever the circumstance is happening right now, even though it's like really hurtful and painful. I'm going to I'm going to go through because guess what? God said that I am the king and I'm not seeing being the king right now. And this is things shouldn't happen to the king, but I'm going to I'm going to go forward. I'm going to press on. I'm going to remember the goodness of God. I'm going to remember that actually this is a testimony right here that I am still standing. I'm still standing. I'm still alive. I could have been dead a long time ago, but guess what? We're still standing. And that if we will thank the Lord and we will press through, it will be a testimony to those who are around us of the goodness of God. And then what happened? They got strategy and they overcame and they went and got everything that was theirs restored back yes. to them. Yes. But it was because they, they took, they didn't say we're defeated here. They said, you know what, we're, we're, we're going to go through and we're going to press on. And I, I think David removed himself and just yeah. sought the Lord. And in that place, he remembered. And yeah. in that place of remembrance, he was able to go forward and lead the people through. So we're in the place of remembrance. Right. We're in the place of standing up and saying we are overcomers and it doesn't matter what is coming against us because the reality is that we live in a kingdom that can't be shaken. The reality is that there is more of us than there are of them. And it doesn't matter what the enemy says or what the enemy tries to throw to us. We're, we're going through because we have a word from the Lord That's that right. he brought us here. That 
we would That's not right. fail, but that we would accomplish all the things right. that he put in our heart to accomplish. That's right. That's exactly right. So. Amen. And I believe that that word means a lot now and it will mean a lot in the days to come because there are things that come. There are a lot of things that come against us. There are a lot of things that come against you all. Um, there's a lot of things that will come against our, uh, your perspective on are we, are we being successful? Because everybody wants to be a part of a people of something that is successful. And if you look through the eyes of the enemy, there are times that you could, and through his filter, there are times that you could say, man, we're, we're failing here. But if you, open, if you allow God to open up your eyes and see what's happening, we are beyond successful. I'm telling you, it's incredible what God is doing through us, through these people. And it's only going to be greater. It's only going to come in greater measure because he hasn't called us here to fail. He has not called you here to fail. He's not put you on this earth to fail. He's put you on this earth to succeed in every sense of the word. God's called you a success. He sees you as a success. He sees Jesus as a success. And because you're a co-heir, you're a joint heir. It's not like Jesus got all the goods and then he gets to decide whatever he wants to pass on to you. No, the father said that Jesus, he was the firstborn among many brethren. And since he's a good dad, he doesn't give to one child and not give to the other ones. So everything he gave to Jesus, we got all of the exact same goodness. Jesus was successful. God's called us successful. He's called us to be, to be at the top. Hallelujah. I want to share one very quick thing off of what you said and then I want to pray for these people and we can do it very fast but I want to lay hands on you because I believe that there's an impartation that's going to happen when we do but you have to take these things and then with that just begin to apply it in your life and I don't even know all the reasons why we're sharing this but I just know that discouragement comes to people just generally speaking but there's going to be opportunity for it in the future. What are you going to do with the thing that comes? This is why David said, my heart is fixed, oh God, my heart is fixed. See, when our heart gets fixed that this is who we are, this is what God says about us, and this is where we're going, it really doesn't matter what comes to you because your heart is fixed, and things go on around you, but they don't affect you on the inside. You could have everything taken away from you physically, but if your heart is fixed on God, it won't affect how your faith is towards God. You'll continue trusting him. It won't steal your peace. It won't steal your joy. Look at what David, how he responded. It says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And there's great debate on what the ephod was, but it was definitely something that they put on. And the reason they put it on was it was a physical sign of doing something spiritually different it was a it was a way of of thinking so it'd just be like if you're going to go into battle you wouldn't go into battle thinking well we're probably not going to win this and you know and not bring your armor with you or whatever but you'd go into battle and you would you would suit up you would strap on your guns you would get your whatever it is that you need and you would be ready to go that's what david was doing he was going in and he was warring but what he was warring for was his soul, the way he was thinking and how he would set himself. As the story goes on, David recovered everything. But if he hadn't come to a place of saying, God, I'm going to look to you. I'm going to strengthen myself. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to inquire of you. David never would have recovered everything that the enemy had stolen from him. The point where everything can swing to the positive or to the negative, it's all hinged on how we posture ourselves 
to think, are we going to think towards the Lord and his provision? Or are we going to look towards the circumstance and be limited to that and not trust the fact that he is a miracle working God? David recovered everything and nobody was even killed. David was in the business of killing people. <laughs> you want to read it? That man killed a lot of people. In the name of the Lord, it was right for him to do it. He needed to conquer what he conquered and everything. But they, in all rights, they should have killed David's uh, uh, wives and however many wives. I think he only had two at that point. It was early in his wife career. But they should have killed his wives. They should have killed the children. They should have killed all the other soldiers' wives, but not one of them was killed. Why? Because God is a miracle-working God. And when it looks like everything is defeated and down, God comes through. But God. And it says, so David, so he put on the ephod. And it says, so David inquired of the Lord. And that's the thing we have to do. We have to posture ourselves that no matter what we face, we go, I'm going to go and I'm going to inquire of the Lord. You might feel horrible. Your emotions might be out of control. You might be thinking, I want to quit. I want to give up. But I am going to go and I'm going to inquire of the Lord. And if you can fix your heart like that, God will always pull you through. Thank you, Jesus. So we want to take a couple of moments here and we just want to lay hands on you guys and, and pray for you. And we're going to do this uh, relatively fast because impartation doesn't have to take a long time. And again, it comes two ways. It comes from releasing words that you receive and apply to your life, but also physical contact. This is, what, this is one of the reasons. I'm telling you, this is one of the reasons why the enemy has worked to get people so scared of touching each other and wanting to stay six feet apart. Man, there is power in physical touch with human beings, especially when they're anointed by God to give you something that you need in your life. I mean, we're, we've broken that barrier. Praise God. We're, we're hugging and loving on each other and, and all that stuff. Just smack the devil right in the face. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Man, if you can get what we're talking about here, it will help you. This is, this is something that I, it's been a revelation for me for a long time, but the Lord just like restarted it back up in me. So this is a tool that we need to have in our tool belt. You are going to have things come against you. I'm prophesying in the name of the Lord. You will have things come against you. That's not doom and gloom. That's just the reality of life. Amen. Stuff's going to come against you. How are you going to handle it? How are you going to approach it? How are you going to deal with it? Because you can even keep moving forward, but have an attitude of looking back. And if you do that, you'll not only allow the enemy to rob your joy and your peace, but you'll have no hope of really moving forward and conquering anything in the future because you're going to be looking behind. If David had just sat and wept, and I mean, I think any, any person, you know, David could have thrown in the towel right there and any person would have said, yeah, he's got a good reason to do it, but he didn't do it. He kept pressing on and he watched the victory of the Lord come in his life. Are you ready to see the victory of the Lord in your life? If you would like for Liz and I just to lay hands on you and impart this oil that the Lord gave us as a word of knowledge, that this oil is coming from our fingertips and it's going to give you the ability, a supernatural impartation, going to give you the ability to overcome whatever is pressing on you, whatever's coming against you to where you'll be able to stand underneath of it and come through it. If you would like that, just come up here and we're going to, we're going to lay hands on you. If we get the ushers to move, to move this podium, that would be great. Thank you, Jesus. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. 
If you would like to give or would like more information on how we're making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.